0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2007 Frankfurt Avenue. For more information, check out circleofhope.net or join us in person on Sunday evenings at 5 and 7 p.m. We're talking about uh, journeys that we take, how they form us, how they shape us. Um, And I want to talk about, this is a little um, odd journey, but it's, it's the one from home to a foreign place, which I think some of us may experience and certainly uh, people that have followed Jesus and followed God experience too. My mother, she visited Egypt recently, she came back. Egypt's the homeland and she came back and some family friends uh, that I hadn't seen were just visiting like yesterday. By the way, just the, this is this is a little weird to talk about, but I wrote this part before they came. Like I, so like I had to like write in the future about what I predicted would happen. So I felt like I needed to be honest about that with you, for some reason. Anyway, they were here yesterday. Um, they were at my house, and again, it was and the experience that I have um, is always uh, it's always similar in a sense. Uh, and I'm reminded when I'm with them that I, I don't know if I really have a, uh, um, a home sometimes and it, it feels a little distancing even to be with my uh, relatives. Here's a, do I have a picture of my mom? And, it, and in this case, it's not because I feel more at home with what happened to be like Christian Egyptian Uh, relatives that were over and 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 you know I say Christian Egyptian I use that little moniker um, because in Egypt the most common religion is um, Islam you're a Muslim and so we say we're uh, you kind of have to say there's my mom and I by the way I used to be bald so um, by choice and maybe not by choice soon so (laughs) It's good, I practiced being bald earlier on in my life so that when, I, when the inevitable came, I could, I, could, I, could, I could just go all the way, okay? Um, there's my mom. So in Egypt, most people are Muslims, 10% of the population is Christian and Coptic Christian. Um, so we usually come up with ways to distinguish ourselves, like my mother has a tattoo of a cross on her hand. My name is Jonathan, which is a, a biblical name. Uh, we grew up in the whole family of biblical names, and that's an indication also to the public that you're a Christian. So Christian Egyptians, right? I'm still not at home with them. I don't really feel at home with my relatives because, but, but, but I'm awaking, awakened to a part of me more clearly. You know, I don't get to have a ton of interactions with Egyptians. So when I do, it is a unique feeling and a unique experience. But in this case, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of things that, that a lot of barriers for connection still. I have philosophical disagreements with them. There's cultural disagreements. I didn't grow up in Egypt. Um, I was born in the United States. So my Arabic is like about that of a four-year-old. You know, usually if I practice it for a while, it gets a little bit better, but I was, it was real rusty yesterday. So my Arabic, like that's my kids, Elaine, she's five, her English is way better than my Arabic is. So just to give you like an idea about, and, and, and these people came over, they can only speak Arabic, and I have like a, their son, who's like a rough translator for what I'm saying. Um, and I'm reminded of this cultural distinction when I spend time with them, when I spend time with my family, um, I speak to my mother in Arabic. That's one way that we uh, have a connection and we kind of stumble through our, uh, our conversations because her English is actually is better than my Arabic but it's still a barrier too. So we, have, we figure out how to communicate um, and share and relate and it's, it's a palpable uh, barrier. But when she hears me speak or she reads something I write, she reminded me of, of this again yesterday. It's almost like she, it's, it's like nonsense to her. She doesn't understand anything I'm saying, you know. Um, she says, because you use too many words that are big and I don't know what you're talking about. I think in her defense, sometimes it actually is nonsense. So <laughs> um, I can understand, I can, I can relate a little bit to that. Um, but it's again, it's this reminder that we're a little different. Um, and, and, and there actually are blocks in our intimacy as a result of those differences. So, and, 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 and it's, a, it's a challenge for me because for better or worse, I want to assign value to it now. So much of my life is intellectual and so I, I connect with people kind of with my head and that's like, that's like the small talk for me. I don't actually think I'm intimately relating with you and I'm talking like that, but it's a way, it's something that I have in common with a lot of my friends and how we connect. My mother and I uh, generally lack that um, and it's not just because of the language barrier, she's not that interested in the things that I'm interested in and so most of my intimate relationships I have this kind of intellectualism that uh, is is part of their formation so mom and I have to share a lot of love in different ways and I'm conscious of the uh, limits that a relationship has. So my language barrier, cultural barriers, philosophical barriers make it makes it hard for me to feel at home among my Egyptian relatives. You know I'm not Muslim I'm not conservative, I'm not fluent. And then the, on the flip side, in the United States, I'm not quite at home either. So I'm brown. I think I have, my, I, I don't know if you hear this or not, but I'm a little self-conscious about this. I think I have a little bit of an Arabic accent in there. Um, maybe it's just the way that I talk, but it feels unique to me. So that's something that I, that I hold. Uh, so if I'm on the bus in North Philly where I live, I'm not quite at home, you know, predominantly black. I'm not black, but even if I'm on like the bus in the suburbs where it's predominantly white, still not really there. You know, where is my place? How am I finding myself in the world? Um, and, 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 and it, I'll say that I mean, this, this is probably overstating it a little bit, but my most carnal self, my most fleshly self, is most at home with uh, other children of immigrants. This is something that I found has been very uh, uh, connecting to me. Do we have any children of immigrants here? Raise your hand if you're a child of immigrants, where your parents came. Hi, come on, don't be ashamed. Shame is a big part of a lot of the Eastern immigrant thing. Wait, no, I just need to see who my friends are, just so I can, just so I can connect. Hey, Kristen. My wife. Nice. <laughs> so that's that's often who I connect with. Um, we have similar experiences that we can share. Kind of an out-of-placeness too. Um, and but it, in in a oh. sense though, and I'm 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 cautious to say this, but Part of me is grateful that I don't fully feel at home in many places because it does help me uh, relate, empathize with people who don't feel at home, who feel like strangers, who are looking for a home. Uh, there's something that we can share and I think Christians in general, in general are trying to create spaces to welcome people. And so my outsiderness ness is, is helpful, it's a helpful uh, tool, if you will, to connect. Does that make sense? So I I think Christians, as God remakes them, generally move to that feeling. This is a little paradoxical. We move to the feeling of being out of place a little bit. You know, when we discover who we really are, we don't feel quite at home in the world that we happen to live in. This might be a stretch. Some of us who feel particularly at home here, and to be honest, I, I, I think people, might not uh, ask themselves that question all the time, but, but I, 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 do th- I do think that we're moving um, to become a little bit unfamiliar with the world that we're in as we grow to become more familiar with our true home in God. But I think a lot of us, for, in one way or, or another, share that uh, sense of not belonging. And you might experience this in like a month or so at the, uh, at the Thanksgiving table, right? You might go back and some, some of you will see your family on, uh, on Thanksgiving, yes? And you might feel a little out of place too. And the things that come up in the conversation are often testing that uh, sense of home, sense of placeness. You know, when you're arguing with your aunt about like healthcare policy, it's not really just about healthcare policy. I mean, you could be very interested in that, right? There's something, there's some other tension that happens. Does healthcare come up at your Thanksgiving table or something like that? So we try to belong, we try to find our place. I think we just try to make it work. How do I make my life work in this world using the tools and means that the world gives? How do I, I have to make ends meet? I might have to, I might feel pressure to find a a home in my vocation. I have to have a meaningful job getting married, having children, this is part of creating our home. Maybe we live our life untethered by all those commitments, free of any children or job or spouse, so that we can be mobile and travel around if we want and maybe seek new dreams, new adventures. I think those things are pretty cool, but I don't think they offer the same kind of solution that we need because I think they're not really answering the questions that we're asking. I mean, some people do live perfectly happy lives, content with who they are and what they do. Have you ever met someone like this? Um, I think that's fine. I think you, if, that's, if that's where you are, I don't need to pull you out of that. You know, I, don't, I, don't, I don't need to deconstruct your world if you're happy in it. I think that's, that's good. That's an achievement. That's something to be proud of. But I do think there's more to the world than whatever fulfillment uh, the American dream looks like. And that idyllic life that you imagine that you might have fails so many people that it's not like people aren't looking for something more. There's no shortage of people who feel uh, out of place, out of step, right? And a lot of my friends have kind of felt out of step too. That's why Minor Threat and I got along so well, right? Some of us have that right, right in our blood. You know, that's what it feels like. Yeah, I'm real, I'm out of step, I'm not. I'm like this little black sheep running away from all those white ones our out of placeness doesn't come out of nowhere. We belong with God. We're at home with God. But the condition that the world is in puts us away from God in a sense. Some Christians think of themselves as permanently fallen. You know that word fallen? As if the condition of the world separates us from God until the next age begins. Like that song we were just singing there, you're, 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 you've promised the world you're bringing us home. I think our active work on earth is restoring our home and bringing about a, a new creation of sorts. So a major theme in the Bible is uh, coming, from, coming from home, going away from it. Finding home, being lost in the wilderness. We were singing about that too in, a, in the dry and weary land. Being in captivity away from home. It's this motif, this idea that's used in the Bible to point out when things aren't going the way that God wants them to go. and pointed, It's pointing us to a home we're forming today with Jesus. In the Old Testament, Israel, as we were saying last week, is freed from Egypt. They're captors, they're slavers, and sent into the wilderness looking for their new home. And they, and they wander for like 40 years or something. And then they, they, they get there and they decide to be like other nations, and they decide to have a king. And they have this period we call the United Monarchy. You had Saul and David and Solomon. And after King Solomon, the uh, north and the south of Israel got into a little conflict. And so the kingdom divided. the north called Israel gets conquered by the Assyrians and the south gets conquered by uh, the Babylonians. A little bit, takes them a little bit longer to get conquered in the south. And this period of captivity when they're in, in Babylon, you know, you have a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, stories about this. There's Psalms even that allude to this. You might know the uh, story of uh, Daniel and the lion's den it takes place in Babylon. You know this one? It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a famous one, I think. So you might, you might just know it even if you're not, like, in the Bible all the time. That period of captivity is familiar to the Jewish people because they remember what it's like to be without a home. That sense of homelessness is an important part of the Jewish identity. And I think, also, it's a part of our identity, too, as Christians. The pursuit of a home is a part of them. But also this resolution, this hope, this promise that they might find one. So it's no surprise then how the story of the fall is written, as it's popularly called. With this idea in mind that captivity and homelessness and finding home is important to the Jewish people, it's no surprise that the story of the uh, origin of the world has the same themes in it. Catching my drift? This is chapter 3 of Genesis, and just, just... Four verses here, someone out loud read, and the Lord God, and then the rest of it. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, see the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to kill the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the Tree of Life. What an image. Flaming sword guarding the entrance back to the Tree of Life, the uh, Garden of Eden. God casts out the man and his wife, Adam and Eve as we know them as. God creates a home for humanity. This is the garden, this is the creation story. The culmination of it is the home. And humanity's own disobedience you might say casts them out and they endure the punishment of not being in the home that god created for them they aren't home and the punishments that are dueled out to them is you you will suffer in childbirth you will suffer in work and you won't live forever death is a fact of life now hold that in mind because that's going home means all of that is undone okay that's the that's the that's the big story Israel continues to struggle for this pursuit of home as a nation for the period that follows and they're looking to go back home and for the Jewish people this specifically means a nation under God's authority. They're journeying from captivity back to home. However, in many cases, even when they are home, it's not really home. God sends prophets to correct the home they've corrupted. The prophet's life then is a little out of place too. Never welcomed in his own hometown or her own own hometown, isn't that what Jesus said? The prophets of the Old Testament are trying to call Israel back home, even under periods where they're not under captivity. God, a, God made a people out of freeing them from slavery in Egypt and promises them a place to call home. And the story is all about finding home. And then, of course, they do something with that home and then they get taken over by empire, something bad, and they die. They don't live forever, which means taken into captivity. And they end up in captivity as a result of this disobedience from the way of God. Again. The same idea. The prophets are trying to get them back to where God wants them, at home, in their land, in their way of life. Israel's commissioned to live a way of life that's set apart from the world to show the rest of the world how to, how to live, how to find that same home again. The project comes to fruition in Jesus. And the person of Jesus Christ who wants to redeem the whole world and bring it home, if you will. The covenant that God made between God and Abraham, inaugurated by Moses as he frees the Israelites, is extended to the whole world when Jesus arrives. Now we can all be a part of the project of restoring home. The whole world has a chance to participate in restoring creation. This is, of course, both literal and figurative we're literally restoring the earth, or at least we're supposed to be not destroying it, right? That's the, that's, uh, you know, that's the movement we're supposed to be on. And most places, I think, lose the former, the literal. I think um, we might lean the opposite way, you know, and think when, the literal, when, when we're accomplishing the literal, the figurative doesn't matter as much. Are you following that little, what I'm talking about? There is, there's a figurative restoration as well um, that isn't just in the ground. <laughs> Jesus does an amazing thing, he becomes a human being, he becomes one with us, he finds his home on earth and with us, and he calls us to find our home with him, just like we were when we were partaking in the communion. He tells his disciples in John 15:4 that we abide in him, and he abides in us, he makes his abode in us, and us in him, he makes our home, his home in us and we make our home in him. Jesus comes to earth and makes this place home in order to say that. Isn't that interesting? Jesus becomes at home here in His is in his incarnation. He says, you can come here and be home now. You can have a little taste of what's to come because I am with you now. You don't have to keep looking for home because home has arrived. We are not going back to the garden. It's a new creation now. And there's something deeply radical and kind of, uh, um, he may be contradictory about that approach. Jesus makes himself at home in our time and place, and then he calls us to find our home in him. The prophet brings us back home, and in order to do that, she comes to terms with the place she's in. It's limits and tries to become at home there, at home right here right here in Philadelphia, as we're moving closer to our true home. Jesus is doing that through us, doing it through incarnation, his, his fleshliness, his humanity. And today we share God's love by being human, by being connected, by having a relationship, right? This intimacy that we're craving and striving for is best had in person, together, connected just like we are now. There's something unique happening just because we're together, by having a relationship, just like Jesus did with us. Our church then, are represented here, but in so many other ways, is an example of this abode, this home. When people come and find their place here, they're finding their little bit of home with us. We're moving to include and create more of a home. Meanwhile, we're moving the whole world towards its home in Jesus. That's the work of being a Christian. Here's a proverb from Circle of Hope. We have proverbs and convictions that we've uh, seen, you know, uh, just the sprawling list that we've collected. We never take any away. We just add more. So eventually, the brochure, gets the font gets too tiny. So because you can't fit it all on a page. But this is one that we, that we work with. We intend to keep all the great things God has given, the, given through the church of the past and be totally at home in our time, ready and able to relate to the people of our day. Isn't this the challenge? To know you're not totally at home, but to be at home in order to make it a homey for someone else? We know this isn't the ultimate place for us, but yet we make our home here in Jesus and relate to the people of our day, inviting them into the fullness of our home. So I started out by telling you how I was out of place, how I feel out of place, and how I often feel that way in the world. That's a real feeling that I have. And there is some injustice in my out of placeness, I know. But making the United States better for me isn't the fullness of the expression of the home that I offer in Jesus, that I have in Jesus. There's an inevitability to feeling out of place. In fact, if I feel too in place here, something is wrong. So I don't wanna lose it all. On the other hand though, you have been a home to me and another chance at family. It's not perfect in case you thought it was. It's not without discomfort, but our community brings a lot of comfort to me and a sense of of place. Even if it's provisional, even if it's temporary, a sense of home as we try to restore our new home. So I, I pray for you to also find that sense of home And for you to be maybe even a little bit uh, of uh, uh, maybe disrupted in a holy way too. I'm grateful for the connection that we have. And that's why I'm able and want to share it with you and with others too. Because this really has been something of a home for me. So let's pray and do some talk back, shall we? Thank you, Lord, for being here and for being present for us, uh, for the ability and the chance to make a home in you right here in our time and place, knowing that our true home may not be so far off. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.